Welcome to Fintech Daydreaming. The podcast that dives into the world of banking technologies and the ever-changing landscape of fintech companies. We bring you real-life examples from global and local thought leaders, as well as experts working within the financial industry, and seek out the best stories from the front lines of financial services innovation, where dreams of industry pioneers meet reality. Hosted by Paul Krogdahl and Ville Sontu. This is Fintech Daydreaming. Welcome back, everybody, to another fantastic episode of Fintech Daydreaming. This episode is going to be a good one. I, I feel it in my bones. We're going to talk about something that I think is very interesting to all of your fintech guys out there. Namely, how on earth do you actually even get time with the decision makers, the buyers and the key people with inside of banks? How do you sell to banks? And I think this is, for me, very interesting. And I'm hoping for you also, it's going to be very interesting. I am Paul Krogdahl. I'm going to be your host for this episode. But as always, I never take this journey alone. I always have my wingman villa with me to keep me on the straight and narrow and make sure that I don't crash into the first mountain we hit. So Villa, how are you this beautiful day? I'm doing good, doing good. It's a nice and sunny day here in uh, in Finland, or southern Finland at least, and uh, enjoying the uh, upcoming spring, I hope. That's a little bit hopeful to say in February, I think, but uh, yeah, we're getting there hopefully soon. And uh, again, I couldn't agree more that this uh, discussion today is going to be very interesting because of, and for another reason, you're definitely on the selling side of this uh, conversation, but I'm actually now that it's public information, I'm on the buying side of this because I just rejoined uh, Nordea Bank. Uh, so I, my uh, period at Ericsson is now over and I'm back at Nordea. So relapsed banker, like I like to say. Yeah, you, you always keep saying that you know, you're a recovering banker. And, and I noticed that the pull was obviously too much for you. You didn't manage to recover. You have gone right back and you're a banker again. I am. I am. It is it is a very addictive business, I can could, I could say. And uh, maybe that's the reason I, I always kind of, kind of want to want to go back. But I did get a chance to work with uh, one of my passions, which is digital currencies. So I'll be looking into the central bank digital currencies and the private side uh, as well, as we see the, the uh, regulation coming in the private sector for stable coins. This, of course, is, uh, brings a lot of conversations towards the bank, and I'm looking forward to uh, leading those conversations and uh, creating a uh, maybe even a strategy to to address all of those questions uh, that are facing banks these days. So you heard it here first, dear listeners. Villa, Mister, I don't care about Bitcoin is going back to Nordea to look after digital currencies. The this regulated ones. So, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, technically speaking, Bitcoin is not a digital currency, so I don't know anything about it. So ah, fantastic! I love it. We're going to continue this win lose hate love of bitcoin on this podcast and no one's ever going to convince us otherwise villa and i not a follower but that to one side we're now going to focus in on how to sell to banks and we've got a return guest onto this show a good friend of villa and myself he's been playing around he's been in nordia he's been up and down and actually now we need to just show that fantastic uh, uh fireworks that you had behind there, Ewan. But Ewan, thank you very much for joining us again and really looking forward to this. How are you? I mean, how has life been treating you and what's been good in your life? Bring it on, gentlemen. Bring it on. It is wonderful to be back. It's been too long. And uh, I, I now speak to you 
from the United Kingdom, uh, with one foot in Dubai and one foot in Oslo or Stockholm or any anywhere anywhere in the Nordics. I was I've just back from the Nordics, it's been wonderful, and uh, but I I am now now a consultant or an advisor or a practitioner. You choo- choose one off. That's what I'm doing at the moment, and it is wonderful to be back with you. You've you've joined the dark side with me. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, see, see, see I, I'm a practitioner, right? There's a, there's a big difference. Uh, yeah, Paul, I'm a practitioner, and I, I but one, one presumes that uh, your your colleagues are also, and, and you, I know you are, but yeah, your practitioners versus consultants, right? Yeah, Presentations versus delivery, right? Absolutely, hands on, get dirty, and and that's the one. Help the customer on the journey. Absolutely, Omdo, you created a mental image for me, which is confusing me, or actually maybe maybe concerning me a little bit. The fact that you're managing to spread as far as having one foot in Dubai and the other one in the Nordics, yes. that that's some that's some gymnastics there, my friend. That, that is, but it's thanks to Emirates or Qatar or whoever is available. Okay. Uh, but it, it, it's really interesting looking at the contrast between those two regions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to play out into the discussion we're going to have today because selling to the banks, I'm assuming it's not the same all over the world, you actually have to have slightly different dynamics, points of views, and 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 ways of interacting with with right. banks as you travel around the world. And it's let's be honest, it's all about building those relationships and the and the the close you know contacts that you've got. And I'm I'm actually wondering. I mean, having as we discussed already, been on both sides of the table. You you worked at Nodia, you worked right. at a number of banks. Now mm. you are independent. Um. Do do you think that having worked in the banks has helped to shape your approach to consulting and selling to the banks? Oh, it's uh, most definitely, most definitely. And I, I think I, at every bank I have worked at, I have been a, a contact. I've been someone that you want to speak to. Uh, one would hope it's, be, you know, you can pretend it's because I, I would hope I'm a nice guy. Actually, nothing to do with that. It's all to do with the position and the influence that you may hold. Uh, so for the longest time, I have been pitched, 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 you know, many, 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 many pitches, many ways, many methodologies. So uh, that uh, many of my colleagues in banks view this as negative. I actually view always viewed it as positive because it was a great way to learn. And I think as an executive, as someone that's responsible for getting stuff done in a bank, very, very quickly, you look inward. And yeah. Villa will be uh, recognizing and remembering this and, and relearning this this activity, which is you know, you've got to focus on what's happening internally, internally, internally. Problem with doing that, right? Because you know, anything that happens internal is important by definition to you, to the bank, to the people around you. Therefore, external begins to get a little bit blurry. And in many cases, a lot of the colleagues I know, they just don't ever... I mean, almost never look at what's happening externally because wh- why does that matter? And some of that's a confidence issue, some of that's a focus issue, but it's actually really helpful when you're hearing from vendors, I think, I think, because you're hearing from them what they, they feel is important and what they they are uh, delivering to markets. I, I always find it a really useful way of learning, but having been in the role, I can understand how executives prefer to be approached and how they don't like to be approached. And the 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 major realization for me, gentlemen, I was at an event a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when I finally realized just how bad, how bad it is out there uh, for vendors and fintechs. 
I say fintechs because typically you mean it, it's a, a fintech usually wants a relationship with the bank, right? And, and a financial technology vendor obviously wants a relationship with the bank. I met a sales dude at a uh, for, uh, from a fintech. I was standing at uh, uh, a, a, I won't say the, I don't want to identify anyone, but I was standing at this event, just kind of, I, I'd finished the conversation. I was looking around and this guy came up to me. He did the navel gaze, you know, the usual, right? He stared at my badge and he went, oh, he said, oh, no, but wait, wait, aren't you Ewan? I thought, oh, well, thank you, thank you. Uh, and he went, Do you, you, oh, he said, oh, you're not an Orday anymore. I said, no, no, can I help? He said, I'm from FinTech, names that you know them. You will know them, right? They're the well-known FinTech uh, in Europe. I said, all right, uh, how's your day going? He says, uh, really, really bad, really bad. I, I you know, I, I'm, have, you, have you seen any banks, any banks at all? I said, well, I'm sure Dansko will be around, you know, so-and-so will be around, DMBs, I'm, I'm sure I saw, where, where? And the, the poor chap, he, he'd been running around this this event, sales guy, right? This is, that's his life. Mm -hmm. I said, look, look, if you, if you really, really want to get in touch with, with banks, right, and the right individuals, I think, are here for your product, speak to the organizer. Yeah, I don't talk to them. There's no pay for play, certainly not in the Nordics. Right, but you know that there there is influence, right? You, you may want. You, there's still time. This is day one of of three. You still sponsor something, just you know, two thousand euro. Sponsor something, and then you know, I'm sure the 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 organizer will want to connect you. Chap says, no, I haven't I haven't got any money. I said, what? He said, I don't I don't have any budget. We we spent four hundred thousand on a website. Oh. So there you go, gentlemen. There, there. I, I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold on a minute. Who, who authorized? Who authorized spending 400k on a website, and then they they sent you here? Yeah, I've got to get 10 leads. What? I, I need to get 10 leads from this event. 10 banks. Do you know? Can, can you help me? Well, right. There's a more. There's a way more efficient way of doing this, and that's. So I was. Just, I'm just astonished at how bad. And I do mean bad, bold, un italics, underlined, how bad fintechs are at selling to banks, right? Especially when it's business critical to them. So there you go, gentlemen. I, it's it's, it's a, a, a thorn in my side, okay, that I, I feel so frustrated for the marketplace and, and for these fintechs. And then, by the way, for the bankers as well, who are having to, you know, be exposed to this desperation. It's really poor, and I see a huge disconnect. I think it's poor that I see a huge disconnect between the sales team, the marketing team, the executive team. I'll, this is the executive team's problem, the fintech. Huge disconnect between all of these, and then it's a terrible experience for everybody else. But I think to a certain degree, it, it's also driven by the fact that a lot of fintechs come from a technology background, not from a banking right. background. They, they yes. don't understand that the main driver for any bank is compliance it's regulation right, right. and and you, if you're trying to sell technology for technology's sake to a bank you're on a losing streak from from day one aren't you yes yes I, look it, the the misunderstanding the fundamental misunderstanding of how banks work and buy i find breathtaking i think there is you know a lot of truth to what you say a complete fact in many cases that you know th these are technologists but when i say look um by the way what, what, how, how do you how do you pitch this you know, what, what's the business model and, and and routinely i pull the string gentlemen right i pull the string by saying okay say some more yeah uh -huh, say some more okay why why is there a setup fee 
They go, no, no, there's a setup fee. Yes, no, no, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Why? No, no, there's a setup fee. Just why is that? Well, we've, we've got to set it set it up. We've got to set it up. It's cloud-based, right? You just press a button, right? You know, you, you could, you, yeah, Ville wants it. You're just going to go create new instance, call it Nordea, and then send them a username and password, right? No, 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 but that, that, there is a set. Yeah, we've got to establish the instance, the setup fee, right? But I know, so does the banker, right? So does Ville. We, we know it's three seconds, 10 minutes. Why is it $200,000? Oh, that's it's um uh, and when I'm in the room with these guys and I put I'm pulling that string to see where it ends. Someone and these are very 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 nice, well-meaning people. Someone somewhere with an MBA will say, um, it's, it's, they've got money. Sorry, they've got money. They've got budget. It says who? Well, we've we've looked at we've looked at their we've looked at their balance sheets. We've looked at their balance sheet. They 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 made X billion profit last year. Okay. Right, doesn't mean they have budget for a setup fee. And then, when you're saying per loan, you want to do, you want to charge them uh, a percentage off off the loan amount. Yes, right. Okay, so so uh, what what are you smoking, gentlemen, <laughs> ladies? What are you? What, what? Oh no, that's that's because it's our, you know, it's our, it's our, it's our shared risk. Shared risk. I see. It. So it's a general <laughs> having been in these meetings where these fintech present this, and you know. If if I, I am very, very fortunate to have been in meetings with very, very good, serious banking colleagues. I am not a banker, right? But I, mm. my colleagues are very, very have, have always been really good. I've been very fortunate. And I, I have to, they have been very good when they're pitched this absolute triple-A nonsense from these vendors. A shared risk. So it's don't don't use the phrase shared risk. This is the bank you're talking about. Are you putting up half the money? For the loan, are you going to take half of the the, the fallout if it goes bad? No, no, no. We, we just we just want three percent. Why? Um, well, I tell you, that's that's our model. Why? That's our model. Okay. Well, how much is it? And because the amount, gents, the amount of times I've come into a fintech, I said, look, just just go to them and just say it's ten k a month. It's ten k a week. It's it's uh, five hundred thousand a month. I don't, just just give them a fix. They're going to want a fixed fee. Why? Because you know, their transaction, their per transaction. Oh my God, jeez! No, no, but that's not how their budgets work. Oh, right. So the amount of times I've been in these meetings, I'm the guy saying, "Look, you might want to think about it. it's like a fixed model or something like this." Or you know, and success success fee is really do they like this? Right? You know, you think about they'll go, they'll do the pitch. It goes horribly wrong. <laughs> and then they come back and say, "So how? how yeah, they, they they actually yeah they they wanted fixed. Oh, did they?" Did they? Mm. So there you go, gents. I, 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 I have no skin beyond the fact that I do. I, I obviously advise and work with banks and, and fintechs. But I, I don't have a, um, a a skin in the game at the moment because I'm not working or, or not in a bank like Villet, but I, or, or or in in a fintech either. I just I am astonished, absolutely astonished that in this day, in this age, right now, fintechs and financial technology vendors are failing failing to get into banks they are and uh i'm just kind of uh confirming what you just said there you're from a from a banker's perspective now that i've been there back for a week <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i do have five years in my background of course with nordea uh, so again the understanding where the banks are what are the real problems uh is key of course uh, as you would expect for any kind of sales opportunity and uh to confirm also what paul said is that 
what many fintechs don't really understand and appreciate to, to, to enough extent is that a lot of the things in banking are not technical problems. So right. they, they do believe that technology can solve everything. And this is more uh, prevalent in, uh, in the whole crypto and blockchain space for sure than maybe any, anything else, because they think that just by throwing a distributed database at a problem, it will be suddenly disappear and solve all the trust and risk issues, right. which of course couldn't be further from the truth. So while there is merit for technology, of course, there's, uh, it's critical to understand what are you actually dealing with? Well, how does the actual system work and where the pain points are? And uh, again, I don't want to take this to a blockchain discussion, but again, it's uh, that part that the technology solves is ultimately uh, fairly small. Uh, another point you and that you made also want to kind of reflect is the uh, being on the buying side uh, of, the, uh, mm. of this equation in most cases in banks. The sheer volume of contacts you get uh, makes it almost impossible uh, to kind of, uh, I mean, it's, it's literally a fire hose of sales calls, cold calls. <laughs> I, I cannot even answer my phone anymore if it's an unknown number these days because yes. I know it's either a cold call or, or a scammer yes. calling yes. me. So again, so it, uh, it is picking the ones that are interesting that you can actually learn from is the is the tricky part from uh, from the buyer's side right. and if you're on the selling side of this equation you also need to respect that fact that probably these people are getting contacted uh dozens of times a day uh, yes, and most yes. of those just have to be ignored so kind of yes, how do you yes. differentiate yourself uh from that noise is, is critical i find that astonishing I find it absolutely astonishing that it, when I do talk to to fintech and I explain this, I think it's really helpful, Billy, that you are saying this right to remind everybody that it is it is a fire hose, right? And the reason it's a fire hose is because every you know, any fintech in Northern Europe by default is looking to sell to Nordea, for example, right? And, and Deutsche and UBS and 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 so on. And if you speak to many fintech, they'll say, "Look, we we are we're targeting twenty banks in Europe, or or ten banks, or forty banks, or whatever." Right? Um, and you know, that sounds really cool. But then when I say so, we say targeting. What, what what exactly do you mean by that? They go, "Well, it's in mail, right? In mail, or right? Because we you know we we can just send the message and and you know, the, in many cases." These individuals, these these sales individuals, they've got their ten credits or whatever, right, or unlimited in some cases, right, and they're they're looking at your profile, and and they're they're just thinking, oh my gosh, today is a day, today is a day. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, dear Villa, hello, hi, I'm a massive fan of your podcast, <laughs> massive fan of your podcast. You look like someone who would like some blockchain enabled loan technology for CDBCs. Uh, please call me, and it's amazing, and it's very impressive that we've send. And then they're, you know, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Goodness me. Now, look, you've just heard, which I think is really valuable, Billy. Just heard you know, multiple times a day you're getting those, right? Or someone says, I've got, I've got his number. I've got his number. Or, you know, he came to this event. We've got his number. And they call that, they call it a lead, gentlemen. They call it a lead, which I think is very misleading, right? I've got, I've got, I've got this elite. It's a lead. It's a lead. I've got, I've got Villa. I've got Villa. Villa. Okay, right. So what do you plan to do with that? Well, um, first of all, we're going to add him to the newsletter. Okay, <laughs> that that's helpful. <laughs> right, that's another one that he just goes delete. delete. Did it originate from Nordea? No, it goes into this bucket, right? Because he's he's got real jobs, right? He's got a real job to do. Uh, did did um, I think the other key issue here is them assuming you are a lead, really, right? Because I've got I've got his, I've got his no 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 I've got his direct 
number. No, Ville, I've got, no, 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 I've got his direct number. Yeah, 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 yeah. Goodness me, you know, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. All right, I've got the number. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, type it in, type it in. Are you ready? Are you ready? Voicemail. <laughs> Voicemail, right? Uh, hello, Billy. Uh, I'm calling from, uh, so all of my work and activity when it comes to this uh, is to talk through having having been been the, the guy screaming <laughs> for the last few minutes. All of my my work with fintechs in this case, I, I'm no sales biz dev guy. I, I just it frustrates me massively. So I do have some solutions, and I I, I want to try them on you guys and see how you react to them. For example, I uh, I everything I'm saying to, to fintechs is look, could you just um I, I do this kind of handshake on on, on Teams right where I, right where you, that that's what it's about right. I put my hands together and say this: the only thing we care about. Right. If you 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 want to speak to Ville at Nordea, right? Okay, okay. Now he has a limited amount of time to to deal with you because he's been paid by Nordea, right? Okay. Uh, part of his role is to is to understand what's happening in the market. Okay, so there's an opening. Okay, that's part of his role. Most executives, right? Part of their job is to understand what's moving. Okay, right. So how do we handshake? How do we get you in the room with him? What will it take? And usually the first couple of you know, minutes, it's just about oh, in-mail, LinkedIn, email, we can spam him, we can phone him. You know, if we call him at 4 p.m. on a Friday, maybe he'll pick up. He might think it's you know someone else. We might try and get in, try and get him. No, 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 no. Hold on a minute, right? What interests him? How do you how can you get in the room? What conferences is he going to? Right. If he's going to a conference, he's obviously open, right? He's he's there to speak, right? And and may, maybe you might want to ask a question. Right, I know this sounds a little bit premeditated here, but you, you know, when Villa finishes his presentation, his awesome presentation on the next gen CDBCs, right? You might want to be there when he says, "And any questions?" And when the traditional, this often the Nordics, very very polite audience, it just kind of sits in in silence. You, Mister Salesman, you might be want to be the guy that says, "Hey, hey, Villa, how, how do you um, what do you think about the so and so?" Right, help him out, help him out, okay, because. Right, Ville goes, thank you. Thank you for asking a sensible question. Now let me answer that. Okay, and then 10 minutes later, he may, Ville is going to be throwing, there'll be throngs of people wanting to speak to him after the conference, after his speech, but he may actually be very thankful for you to actually, for, for asking that question. Maybe he, he gives you a few minutes and learns and listens, right? Maybe he wants to participate in some round tables. Because guess what? Ville does round tables. He does round tables. He does breakfast briefings. He, stuff that is important to him right? He will do for his role, right? So how can you create those situations where you put yourself in front of him? So that's, that's what I, when, I, when I'm working with these fintech, I'm, I'm going through and discussing these kind of ideas. How do you get, how can you stop spamming, right? Stop throwing stuff at these guys, right? They're very busy and start understanding them. And then, you know, how do you get in the room, some room somewhere to have that dialogue with Billy? And there's, there's there's techniques and ideas and so on. But I wonder how you react, Ville, to to that. So that's probably the best way to do that. So again, uh, trying to connect on a level that is not immediately related to the kind of sales pitch that you're going to be making, because that's another thing that I, at least myself, I can only speak from my personal perspective is that I'm quite allergic to as soon as I learn or I kind of get the feeling that, okay, this is a sales pitch. Why? So, 
Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, you kind of, even if it's not explicitly stated in the, in the approach that they take, you say, okay, this, this uh, person is from this and that company, and then you can kind of hear, see it between the lines that, okay, this is, I know where this is going. So you kind of get a, a little bit of a negative feeling from that. So nobody wants to be sold to. I think that's a universal truth. So if, if you do get the feeling that, uh, that you're being taken for a ride or you're, you're trying to get somebody's trying to convince you on something that you're not ready to absorb or you're not interested in it, at least initially, then you will have automatically a negative uh, yeah. attitude towards yeah. that. And this has nothing to do with the person. This has nothing to do, not even with the product or solution that they're selling. It is really this kind of almost like, well, intuitive reaction to to this. Uh, somebody's trying to convince you of something uh, yes. thing. So I yeah, you can take those psychological aspects into into account for sure when you are approaching people. But to your point, you, uh, I think that's the right way. So connecting on a professional level, then uh, kind of giving the opportunity to speak about the topics that you care about and then listening. I think that's the, uh, kind of listening. What is this person saying? How can I relate to that? And then connecting on that level. That's a good start uh, on any 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 kind of uh, occasion. And of course, mentioning the podcast doesn't, uh, uh, it's, it's not a problem either. I think that's a good thing always. <laughs> I can actually add another dimension to this as we're sort of talking about helping the fintechs on, on this journey. Coming from having sat on the, the vendor side, the, the consulting mm. side, but working within sort of very large consulting organizations, you know, IBM, et cetera. We also end up in a situation where the fintechs will reach out to us, hoping that we will open doors for them at the banks. Right. Almost as us being a sales channel. But we end up in exactly the same dimension because we have a large number of fintechs contacting us, believing they've got something very unique and, and trying to turn us into the sales phase towards the bank. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. It's all right. about building a relationship. So the last thing that a, a account manager at, at Accenture or IBM or, or any other large consulting organization wants to do is to suddenly bring a, a toolbox of fintechs and say, here, let me open up the bag and show you all the fintechs Here's that I've opened up the door for. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to happen. It's it's Even the consultants get almost allergic about it because yes. they want to maintain their relationship, their trust, yes. and and you know, what they deliver to the bank. So it's it's almost an issue for the fintechs. They can't really go through a large consulting organization either, unless, mm. again, they need to have this, like you're saying, don't sell, build the relationship and, and find the correct way of building that dynamic with the person that you're hoping to have a relationship with and, and make it a win-win. I have to say, Paul, you, you I, I've worked uh, worked with Paul, or I've worked with both of you, uh, but in in the context of of a a commercial relationship, uh, Paul, you, you're a you're a, ta a taskmaster, or a, a, as as we say, a past master at this stuff. You are amazing at it, um, because it, it's it. You know, I, I remember being ultra stressed as as, as that guy uh, at one particular bank, and then you know on the phone emailing, Paul, can you help? Can you help with this? Right. Yeah. I, I need some help. Any advice? Can you help? Do you know anyone? Right. You know, uh, we're thinking of doing this event. Could you be there? You know, and then Paul said, oh, yeah, look, you might want to think about, it. yes, yes, no, that fantastic. Yes, please. Can you connect us? Right. And it's about doing that. You know, you created that relationship with me. Yes. Right. Which I think was, you know, and of course I was open to it. And then I'm open to it for two reasons. One, because you're sitting in front of me and being sensible. 
right? And 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 you aren't selling me IBM AS four hundreds, right? Um, you know, from 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 the minute we we start speaking, um, and and two because you you took time to understand my challenges issues, um, yeah, the the large brand opens the door, of course, right? Okay, this is the guy, for example, from IBM or from Accenture or wherever, right? That 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 adds instant credibility, right? And in my position, one of my one of the things I have to do is interact with, uh, you know, big brands, big partners, strategic partners. Uh, but then, you know, I think the way that you brought that that in interactivity, that listening, you know, very, very important to listen and then being responsive when I'm calling. And when I'm, you know, I, I remember speaking to many of my teams. Oh, um, oh, Paul, let's go talk to Paul. He can help us. Right. And in, in many cases, it wasn't a direct. Hi there, Paul. Can we buy a thing from you? It was a thing that we were doing that we wanted to involve you in, get your perspective. And, and, but, you know, I'm saying, oh, Paul, you know, I'm, I'm saying, talk to Paul, right? And tell him, talk to him, reach out to him. I'll send him a note. Why I'm doing that is because I've had those initial interactions with you. I think, oh, no, you know, I, I understood that you, 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 understand, you understand the game, the process here. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was really, really well done when, when we were working together, Paul. I wonder how, how, how do you react when when you see a lot of this this kind of standard salesy stuff happening, because it, it looks to me as though many of these companies, this is they're stressed and they're wondering why stuff isn't working. Yeah, you must see this happening a lot in in the marketplace. How do you react to it? I see it happening all the time, and and mm. yeah, if if we're actually sort of fully transparent yet, both of you I met through starting with a a vendor bank relationship right and i've i've always believed that you don't sell by being selly you sell by being a relationship person you build right. trust and a relationship and out of the back of that you'll get a much better opportunity to sell and you know i don't think i ever sold to any of you two no. at any point in time but we've done some fantastic things together but i also think I, you know having having go on Go on, Ewan. Sorry, sorry. I, I want. I wanted to ask you there, Paul. How, how, how do you? Like that. That's that's a learning. Yeah, that's a process. You were you were given top cover to to do the relationship thing. Yes. Right. Because in many cases, I I see today today like I've just come back from Stockholm FinTech Week. I met a whole lot of salespeople under immense stress, zero top cover to create relationships. You're a salesperson. You're a biz dev. You, you, here are some crappy leads that we've got. Go and then go to this fintech event. You know, we're paying for your flight and hotel. That's it. Just get leads. Get get make sales. Right. Come back with a bank. Come back with a million euro contract today, please. You were given the 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 time. Uh, one 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 imagines perhaps an education as well, Paul, on 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 the importance of relationship. How did that happen? Yeah, how how was that? Uh, if you like, facilitated or allowed to happen? Because so many of these biz dev and salespeople, I mean, are, they don't have that luxury. I think the biggest difference is is understanding traditional sales approaches versus relationship based selling. And I think the large organizations, the the ones that have been around long enough, understand this. You know, I I used to work at IBM. IBM really understands how to do relationship based selling. You, you look at, at some of the more fintech companies, 
they have more of a a used car salesman's approach, right? It's yeah. it yes. is yes. it is tactical. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's quarterly based. It is um, very much opportunity based. It is get out there, get the contract signed. You know, if you haven't sold something by the third meeting, then move on. The relationship yes. is gone. Yes. It's and, and like you said, it's LinkedIn messaging, and even I get them. You know, people want to sell me uh, developers, right. Three times a day. Have you, have you got uh, any develop, development? Yeah, yeah. We, we've got cheap resources in, in Poland. Well, actually, so do I. Uh, yes. Right? I'd much rather use my resources yes. in Poland than your resources in Poland. Right. right. Um, so and, it's, uh, it's... Just, to, just to mention, uh, so for the record, I never bought anything from you, Paul. So, I mean, we, we had a good relationship. And, of course, Nordia did spend some money with, uh, with IBM, as, as most of the large banks do at some point in time. But uh, but again, I never bought anything from you. However, did that relationship help in terms of creating the trust and the kind of ground level work that is needed for actually to win these deals? Absolutely. Yes, so yeah. whenever this conversation about uh, what, what we've been talking together with you, Paul, for example, comes up, I mean, that builds this ground level trust. The problem so you, is... Yeah, really, you didn't buy anything. And I don't think I explicitly bought anything from Paul either, right? Explicitly. However... Right, I could name quite a few multi-multi-million euro deals that Nordea did during our time buy, right? So that's the yeah. And then people would ask me, "Oh, what do you think?" What do you think? I, and I would go, "Yeah, I think that's a good idea." Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, you weigh in with your opinion based on the interactions you've been having, and and you know that then creates the win. And here's the question uh, towards a kind of the, from the vendor side of this conversation. So, how do you measure that? I mean, for you, Paul, for example, how was your leadership measuring your, your success in terms of building these relationships and how do you quantify the value of that? Because again, going back to Ewan's point on the, uh, on the KPIs, on the, on the sales leads and on the kind of volume gain, those are easy to measure. Either you win or you don't. But what about this kind of softer, uh, longer term approach? Is it measurable at all? It is measurable because the way you can do it is, is once you have outlined the relationships you've got the people who are actually engaged in doing the selling so on and so forth very much like you said Ewan you can point to where the influence has driven a decision in a different area right so so in many organizations what you do is you say well people who are driving the relationships they don't get measured directly on the revenue they get measured on the revenue they influence mm. right so the sales guy in very often when you sell something to a large bank, it's it's not a simple transactional thing. It, it is a relationship thing. There is a lot of openness and trust and discussions going on. So you can you can almost build that picture that says, we sold this opportunity to this bank. What gave us the ability to sell this were these relationships. Yes. And the bank is, as well will say, yes, you know, we had you in tell us that this was the right way to go. Ewan has been spending his time with, with this person. And then you can you can show the relationship and the journey that built up to closing that deal. Because at the end of the day, we all know that we're in business to make money. We have to make money to feed our children, to buy our house, to, to have clothes on our back and everything else. So, so no, one is, no one is trying to stop the deals. But what people are trying to do is to say, well, I'm not going to buy something unless it's direct value to me and to my organization and to the bank and everything else. And I'm going to buy it from the one that gives me the highest amount of, of trust and transparency in what we're doing. 
And that comes down to that big relationship and being able to point to, you know, we made this deal because we've got these relationships and these are the people that help us and 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 everything else. Hmm. I I wonder, you know, for the biz dev or sales individuals, the commercial listening, uh, this this will be a very frustrating conversation because I, I think at various different points, especially whilst I've been talking, I can imagine people throwing stuff at the at the TV screen as as the phrase goes, right? You know, ye- yelling out loud when they're walking the dog. Um, but I, the luxury that some of the bigger players have to, to invest in relationships is, is both, I think it's certainly a luxury, but also this is how it's done in many cases, right? It's not transactional. And most of the fintech that I speak to, I have to really, really remind them saying, you're not selling Microsoft Office. You're not selling Salesforce. I, and I mean the basic Salesforce, you know, $10 a user or whatever, right? This is a serious, serious uh, approach for the bank, right? You you are selling a complete loan origination system. You're selling an AML back to front, blah, blah, blah system. You're selling a new way of creating X or Y, right? So this, this is, it, it, you don't phone up and say, hey, Vila, would you like to buy this? Yeah, three, three seconds. Three, two, one, no? Okay, but thanks, bye. Right, it, it's, it, it, it takes a lot of time and attention so therefore, why are you measuring your people based on how many sales, you know, how many leads, what's the pipeline look like? Especially when when we pull it all apart, we say, and, and they say, it's these 20 banks we care about. Okay, if it's those 20 banks, then what are you doing to make the relationships? And they say, no, no, but we're trying to sell to them. You know, th- th- there are targets. I said, yes, yes. So what are you doing to try and make the relationships with the people at those banks? They go, no, no, no. We're trying to, to get someone to pick up the phone to buy something. It's right. But it's a six-month conversation minimum. Minimum, right? Once you started talking, it's six months while they think about it, right? Why are you doing it? You're not selling boxes here. And that, that gets quite difficult. And then a, a comment that I think both of you have touched on often you, they, they said we've got these 20 banks we want to talk to you know we want to sell to this year i said right but some of them might not you know they might not be ready to buy this year they may not have the budget blah blah i said yes yes well we need to we need to speak to them to find that out and then exactly as i think i think it might have been you paul that you know <laughs> they did they just don't care do you want to buy it no thanks bye done right now wait a minute it's a relationship so if they're not buying this year that's okay but we're investing in the relationship. This is a target bank of ours. We're investing. So maybe next year or the year after they will purchase. But then I wonder, is this driven by the venture capitalist? Is it driven by the investor? Um, in many cases, I think it's driven incorrectly. You know, out of you know, much revenue desperation from the CEO or the founders. What are you thinking? I, I We know it for sure, right? 99% of all fintechs are driven because they've got an ambition to IPO, right? right. It's grow fast. It's it's get to, to an exit point as fast as possible. And the more VCs you've got funding you, the stronger that message becomes. And the minute you're driven by, you know, 100% growth revenue to get to an IPO or to sell, you're driven by the wrong metrics, particularly in a regulated industry like banking which like you said it takes six to 12 months to even make a decision and 
that's after you've built the relationship. Right. And and most, you know, when I talk to fintechs, I say you're more than happy to invest on having developers that are developing your product. They don't go and do any selling. They are there to build the product that you are trying to push. Yes, to what's the their ROI? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. At the same time, take 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 part of that budget, a small amount, give it to one or two relationship-based business developers and treat them in the same ethos as you would the developers. You're not you're not going to compensate them for for the sales. You're going to compensate them for building that relationship which is the same as building the product. That Don't see them as your sales guys. Yeah. See them as your your external facing developers. Right. Yes. Yes. Fully with you. Yeah. But I'm 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 wondering I mean most most people learn from mistakes. So maybe you and you can, with your experience, share one or two where you've learned the hard way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I have, I have had many, many hard lessons. Um, what, one of which is, is perhaps counterintuitive uh, to what I've just been saying. Uh I, I I was actually I was busy hammering the commercial director of a, of a fintech. You know, no one ever. This is me speaking, of course, right? No one ever buys from a uh, you know a, a, an in mail, you know, straight away. No one buys from a cold call. No one. And the, the chap said, actually, he's put his hand up on the call. He said, actually, actually, we, we get quite a lot. Of, uh, we, we've actually sold quite a lot from inbound, and and actually from from just picking up the phone. I said, what? What? So I was immensely dismissive uh, of this. Then I've had to rephrase and, and reset my messaging uh, when I'm talking to fintechs by saying, like, the vast majority, the vast majority uh, don't, don't, you, know, you can't sell by, um, by, by email or, or by, by picking up the phone. Um, and actually, the, you know, the mistakes that I, I have made, I have done just exactly as Ville is, is saying. Um, you know, which is it's very difficult when you've got this fire hose. Wherever wherever you look, there are messages of people trying to speak to you, right? Incoming, incoming, incoming. And it's very easy, very easy as an executive to just go select all, delete. Right. Select all or just yeah, into LinkedIn, just delete, delete, delete. Um, or just ignore, right? You just let the stuff wash over you now. Uh, but quite often, quite often I have made a mistake there. Uh, and one one particular uh, issue where I was trying to trying to connect with a vendor, <laughs> I was screaming screaming with with myself and and at my colleagues, yeah, at my own idiocy. Because I say, haven't we got? Yeah, we got. Haven't we? Got, who do we know at so and so? We can, we've got. To, come on, who do we? Because we we're in desperate need of a particular service. And uh, lo and behold, lo and behold, I thought I'll just just have a quick Google. Uh, quick search and that's why i call searching not google i'll just have a quick look i looked in linkedin into my messages and just typed the company name sure enough free messages hi you and you look like someone who might be interested in of course i just ignored it right <laughs> then i look at my inbox hi you and i wonder yeah it's interesting you were speaking about this and wonder. oh my gosh so having having railed against it right i it, it, i i actually have got a lot of value from from those meetings and from from those in those, those messages coming in, but in in many cases, I uh, I have been quite dismissive, and I think it's it's it. So I do have a healthy respect for them. Now I know I spent 
so many minutes going, don't do that, don't do that. I firmly believe relationship is the way to go. But perhaps one of the things that, that keeps keeps everyone coming is if it doesn't help me then saying, oh, but it did actually work. So quite a few times I have actually bought ultimately from a LinkedIn mail. Uh, yeah, ultimately, ultimately. And now that's because in my petition at, at Nordea, for example, I, I, I wrote a particular aspect of the job spec saying I will be out there. I will be open. So I, 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 I did want to listen and learn, but the vast majority of executives don't need to or want to do that. Uh, I think the other uh, big mistake I've made is is being dismissive of the, the sales or the biz dev teams. Um, dismissive, perhaps, because I've been stressed or I've been um, I've underappreciated what it is they're doing, uh, and I've had to go back and say, "Look, I'm really sorry, <laughs> really, really sorry." Uh, yeah, apologies there. You know, hi, yes, please let's have a let's let's have a conversation. What I find I have found difficult is once or twice someone has has done me a spam mail or whatever. This is a little while ago before we got into today's ultra firehose world, and um, yeah, I think someone did they phone me or, or email me. I I just I was just very short. No, thank you. We don't need that. You know, thank you. Thanks for thanks so much. Um, and then I actually realized we did need that. And I, I went back and said, I'm sorry, look, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Can I, you know, could, could we take a conversation? Have you any time to speak this week? Mm. And the, uh, the, sales, the sales guy went, no, I'm very busy. Which <laughs> 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 made like, no, no, hold on. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the buyer here. <laughs> like, so I realized I was wrong. I'm sorry. So the guy, the guy went back at me going, no, no, I'm really busy. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I couldn't quite believe the email. So then I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll phone him. And so I phoned him the next day. He he didn't answer my call. I'm like, did you, he knows who I am, right? <laughs> Do you know who I am? He knows. Uh, and then I leave another day going, oh my God, geez. Uh, now we actually ended up going to the other player because he wouldn't take my call. Now I think that's because I'd been a little, I wasn't, I was never rude, but I think I'd been a little bit short. Uh, but then, yeah, we ended up not being able to do business because the guy, you know, <laughs> Normally, normally, vast majority of biz dev will understand when they get a uh, you know s- someone someone screaming at them you know sorry no I don't I don't need to, no no thank you, but then when they call back going oh I didn't mean that yeah apologies can we talk usually they'll just bury it but in this case this guy made me suffer and so much so that you know I thought should I escalate this you know because it, again the the value of the brand you send a message to the top guy at the company. You can as a banker, right? Or sorry, as any big company, right? Say, hey, look, I, what, I thought, should I escalate? No, no. So I didn't do that. But actually, we ended up doing business with another company. It wasn't as good, but it worked. Yeah, I mean, for a minute there, I was thinking that, you know, this this sales guy is the smartest person in the world, actually, you know, making you chase him. <laughs> really good. Yes, yes, yes. You're missing out kind of an aspect. But, you know, the end of the story was that he lost, lost the business. So uh, maybe... I find that right, because the vast majority, when I've, I've been in these situations, they, they just go, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. I understand you're busy. Yeah, I understand you. Let's talk now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I have the exact same experience. So uh, I've really? been... Kind of finding a finding a vendor that okay we I want to talk to these people and then I kid you know there's like three or four connection requests already in my LinkedIn or in inbox that I just ignored in the past, so so again for all of you out there reaching out uh, if we if and when uh, I ignore you or we ignore you uh, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, we will never contact you so right. that's yes. a yes. lesson yes. learned as well, but as always. 
time flies when you're having fun. I think I think we we use that phrase in every episode now, Villa. Um, mm. And it is true. Time is running out. But I've got one question, actually, to both of you uh, sitting as as, you know, recovering bankers or actual bankers at the moment. <laughs> Very often uh, from consulting organizations and you maybe feel this a little bit, Ewan, as well. There is always a a fine balance between what we would call free consulting versus actually something that turns yeah. into um, something billable, right? Yes. And yes. and I very often get into this discussion, particularly with sales guys that say, you know, no, 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 we've given them way too many free briefing sessions and education sessions and everything else. We don't we don't want to give away even more consulting. How would you advise the the fintechs and the uh, consulting houses on on how to manage this dynamic? Maybe we start with you, Villa. That's a tough question out of the blue, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, how should I put this? So, I've been on on the on the consulting side of this conversation as well, uh, and I've been on the receiving side uh, on those on this both at, at a vendor and and at the bank, and. I don't really have a good, clear answer for you that will actually help the audience here, but I can just reflect on, on how these things worked out. The way I feel that, I mean, a lot of these consultant companies do this. So what they do is they, they call you up and they say, can we have a meeting? And then when you accept it because the brand is great, whatever, uh, then the ones that kind of give you kind of a better, very generic market overview. And then, uh, then in the end, they say, OK, we can continue this discussion for this price tag. Those really actually work out. The, uh, the the ones that do resonate with me, and uh, I guess uh, in the organizations that I've been working with as well, is that when it's enough, it's basically personalized enough for you when you are listening to that. So they are not only did they did a did a kind of a find and replace the company name uh, in the presentation, but they actually took time to understand uh, your situation, your uh, specific problems more specifically who are they talking to it's very different if you're talking to cfo or the cto uh of the, of the uh, bank or the institution you're trying to sell to so again understanding uh really taking a taking a few hours of time to actually understand the position uh of the person you're talking to and then doing that uh that presentation or that briefing that will hopefully be of, of some value to the person listening to it. And then you can move on to say that, look, I mean, uh, you know, we also need to get paid and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And of course, the other side will also understand that there is no free lunch uh, in that perspective. But again, in order to get that door open, you need to give that kind of a perspective that you understand uh, and you have something to contribute uh, into yeah. this conversation. You in? Yeah, if if I build on on what you're saying, Villa, because I fully agree with you. Uh, I I think Paul, I think any dialogue is good dialogue. Any any conversation is good, and I think keeping the door open, especially as a consulting organization, but certainly as a fintech, anything that opens the door and keeps the door moving, or sorry, keeps the door open on a regular basis, keeps the conversation moving. I think that's valuable. I think you, you're right that there often there can come a a time when uh, it may it may look as though it's a, a a request for a free lunch. I don't think that's, you know, you you do need to be strong and say, no, look, sorry, you know, this is a little too much. You know, uh, we would need to charge you for the next the, the next session. But I, I think most organizations do understand that. I think the key is that ongoing dialogue. That Because even when you're in the room, you're creating relationships, right? And yes, you may not be being paid now, 
but the the you know at least you've got that dialogue at least you've got some connectivity going you you are demonstrating your intellect your capability with them i think as long you know, you certainly need to do the find and replace <laughs> right you know and, and make it you know give give half an hour's worth of attention to the presentation before you bring it in but i i i think always having that dialogue is really important fantastic we have... I, I do one more point is that uh, I see a lot of these consultant companies, basically what they do is they give you this free briefing, uh, like I mentioned, it might be actually be even of, of good quality. And then they come with that, okay, but now I expect you to pay for this. And then they're kind of very, very pushy uh, on achieving that kind of deal immediately. Mm. So again, understanding when you do that briefing, it is an investment for you for a longer term relationship because the timing rarely works you know on your uh on your kind of fa favor as a, as a vendor it's almost never the right time uh it's almost like a lottery so you might be exactly the right time at the right position but mostly you are not so again okay. super in super point really. yeah you're, you're reminding me there right because a, a a really important aspect is you may be hoping you as a consultancy are hoping okay now now i've, I've told them this and now hopefully they'll buy that but actually, what you're doing is you are also creating the dialogue, the, the that conversation, and be open to Villa saying, actually, no, 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 we don't need that. But what we do need, right? And that's that's the power. So if you've got that online, uh, sorry, that ongoing conversation, you know, you you can you may want to suggest a piece of work, but it, it can, can be very exciting when when the the target says, no, I, I, no, 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 thank you, but actually, I need this. Great. Fantastic. We have come to the end of another joyful episode, really good discussions. I'm wondering, Ewan, is there any last final thing that you were really hoping we'd cover today and we didn't? What? Uh, I, I, what, what about the crappy joke? Yeah. What oh. about the crappy joke? I mean, yes, you're right. right. You're right. We got so excited here. And normally I do the joke at the end. Villa does it at the beginning. But I got so excited, I forgot about it. Oh, I, my God. Yes. Am I, am I allowed to do my... Ultra you crappy, you've heard it nine times in the last, you know. You must do your joke. Go for it. <laughs> Bankers are great at staying balanced. There you go. <laughs> right, sorry. <laughs> right, right. I was going to go with, I used to be a banker, but I lost interest. But <laughs> come on, that that's top of Google, right? Yeah, I, I think we, we've got that already two or three times. I, 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 that's why. I, <laughs> there you go. Sorry. There's my crappy joke. That was a fantastically good joke. Good Thank job. you very much. And with that, um, Ewan, how can people reach out and uh, continue yeah. the discussion with you if they want more? Uh, hammer me, hammer me on LinkedIn. You were saying on FinTech Daydreaming, and I just, I, you please, LinkedIn, I'm Ewan, E W A N, MacLeod, MacLeod, M A C L E O D, at LinkedIn. Just, just Google me there. Thank you, guys. It's been a wonderful opportunity to talk with you again. You too. Nice. Been fantastic. Thank you very much, Ewan, for joining us. Uh, thank you, all you listeners out there, for having listened to us. If you like this episode and you really like what we're doing, then do us a favor. Share the podcast with two of your friends. Just two friends, two contacts. Because as we grow, Villa and I get more excited. We uh, want to share more and get more guests on. So please, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, leave us a comment. And until next time, this has been Fintech Daydreaming. This is Fintech Daydreaming. <laughs>